0: No Mickey show We Clash momentarily for class solidarity Cash circulating Give the masses back its currency Greed from elites oligarchs stay fed deep state Faith fed everybody break bread racism homophobia sexism religion in this melted by We living time to build a new system unionize labor rights Highlight the issue talking heads left his best The saga continues Continues The no Mickey show
1: Hello and welcome to the Nomi Key Show. I am Nomi Key Konst and it is Wednesday, July 28th and the world is on fire. (laughs) Uh, We're in crisis. We can't even get Congress to act on the terrorist attacks against them. And uh, guess what? COVID's back, even for those who are vaccinated. That's the state of the world today. Uh, I am, of course, as you all know, I've been uh, doing this show from Greece and I myself have been faced with the scare of COVID, even though I am fully vaccinated. And uh, Greece has these laws in place or rules in place right now, where if you're going to go inside, if you're going to uh, eat at a restaurant, you have to be vaccinated. You have to show proof of vaccination before you eat inside of a restaurant. You're not allowed to dance, uh, but there is live music. I'm not really sure how that plays into it, but uh, you're also you know, able to exercise inside, You are able to go into stores and some stores are obviously more strict than others. You have to prove you're vaccinated or they'll only allow a certain number. And of course, masks are all mandated inside. But even with that, even with all of that, uh, Greece's vaccination rates uh, as a country are at 45%, which we will talk about with our first guest today, uh, as well as other countries are facing similar issues. Even with all of that, we had a little scare so my friend who uh, has been gracious enough to host the Nomichi show while i am here because he has incredible internet <laughs> that's basically it that's the that's the uh, the rule here and the space uh, he works for an international organization a human rights organization and everybody in his office needs to be vaccinated and has been vaccinated and he had the moderna vaccine which is supposed to be you know the strongest if not one of the strongest vaccines uh, to fight off Delta, and so did his colleagues. And by the way, so did I. Well, turns out he ended up getting COVID, the Delta variety. Uh, he and his colleagues, they started to get sick over the weekend. He got sick a couple of days later, and turns out I may have COVID as well. I uh, don't know yet. I got tested today. We shall see by the end of the day. Um, you know, I'm hoping I don't. But one thing can be said for sure, and 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 I bring this up not to be like the, you know the vaccines don't work. Clearly, they work. They work. They're doing their part. Uh, COVID rates have gone down, especially hospitalizations have gone down to levels I mean lower than ever. With that being said, yes, COVID is spreading. But as we know, if you contract COVID, the Delta variant, with a vaccine, having received a vaccine, two doses with enough time that it's, uh, especially the stronger vaccines, the ones that are reporting um, better, you know, being able to fight this off better, uh, you are not going to have the effects, the severe effects. It protects the most, it's, it's more likely to protect the most vulnerable in our community, but that only matters if you have a vaccine. So this is spreading partly because we have people who are still refusing to get vaccinated and they are displaying stronger symptoms and the stronger your symptoms are, the more you're able to pass it on. And those who've received a vaccine can also receive uh, the Delta variant, but of course their symptoms are not as strong. So yes, they can pass it on to others, but it is not as strong. Meaning if you're displaying you're extremely sick, you are more likely to share the Delta Delta variant. And as a result, it is spreading at a faster rate. It's why they shut down Mykonos, the party island, last week. You can't play music anymore on Mykonos, which if you know anything about Mykonos, it's like saying you can't play music in Vegas or in Miami Beach, Uh, and it's the middle of the summer. It's the livelihoods for so many people. And the islands have higher vaccination rates because their livelihoods depend on having tourists. Of course, every country is dealing with it in their own way. We are going to talk about that on today's show because it's spreading fast in the U.S. It's spreading quickly across Europe. And of course, it has already gone through its rounds uh, in other countries like India. But this is serious stuff. We have to, have to be strict about vaccinations. And, you know, my friend is frustrated because he did get vaccinated. He doesn't understand it. He expressed that he was, he didn't understand, you know, why even get it if you're going to if you're gonna end up contracting COVID, but of course he's gonna do fine. He's his—he's he's displaying cold symptoms. I of course have no symptoms at this point point. Um, and hopefully I don't have COVID. But again, it just reduces the rates. The more people get vaccinated, the rate of sharing and spreading this Delta variant go down. The more people are vaccinated. So the more people are vaccinated, even if they get COVID, the Delta variant, And how many of those who are vaccinated will actually get it? Even if they get it, the symptoms at the display are anything from sniffles to a sore throat to nothing to maybe flu. But it's still nowhere near what the original COVID-19 variant was showing in which people are showing up at hospitals. So first we're fighting the no maskers, now we're fighting the no vaxxers. And of course it has become highly politicized. But the one thing that is fascinating about this moment is you have figures in the Republican party who realize enough is enough. Some people are trying to lie and have one foot in, a, in the populist, you know, uh, vax denial door and one foot out to preserve, you know, whatever base that they have or ratings that they have or donors that they have. My guess is all of these people have been vaccinated and that they are protected, at least at this point. The fact that it is becoming this politicized at this point is, it's like the failure of of the Roman empire. Um, You know, at what point were we gonna realize we are really in a downward spiral that we can't get out of, whether it's climate change, uh, the forest fires that are popping up on the West Coast, Or here outside of Athens, uh, just north of Athens or tremendous forest fires happening all over the world or the floods, you know, at what point is enough enough? And I I don't really know. And I know we talk about this every week on the show, but I don't know what it's going to take. Um, I can tell you we're not doing enough. Great that we're getting some wins in Congress, but it is not happening at a fast enough rate to really combat the misinformation. We are not regulating these platforms enough. And I say regulating because, you know, they're not free. They're not democratic. They're not open. They're heavily skewed and designed to skew towards white men who are appealing to a right wing populist base. And this is happening all over the world. So if the United States is not going to be able to regulate it because we have such a partisan uh, you know, Washington that's at a complete stalemate and can't get over themselves, then perhaps the EU will. I don't know what it's going to take, but something has ha- got to happen fast. Misinformation is spreading like crazy, and that leads to, obviously, an attempted coup in Washington, D.C., but also the spread of the anti-vax movement. The fact that Tucker Carlson can say, go do your own research, I'm not a doctor. Well, what is that code for? Go do your own research on Facebook? Go go read Alex Jones's blog? Because that's the research those folks are doing that are watching Tucker Carlson's show. We should not lean on Tucker Carlson to be our moral compass, to make sure that the anti-vaxxers are really like, you know, realizing how much uh, humanity the humanity and the freedom that they love so much depends on their being responsible human beings, responsible human beings who care about their country, who say that they take a bullet for their country, who say that family first, the flag first. Well, there's no family. There's no flag. There's no freedom. There's no foundation of any sort of democracy. There's no Facebook if the power grid can't hold it up. If this country continues to have massive spirals of of, you're just masks are going to be a permanent part of your life, whether you like it or not. And that is what's going to happen. And we're going to keep having these mandates that people are still going to keep protesting and they're going to keep spreading COVID-19 until the U.S. government or the EU or whatever same government decides enough is enough. These platforms are dangerous when they are not democratic because I wanna make that very clear. The right wing likes to say censorship. It's not democratic. It is not democratic. My voice is not as strong as Ben Shapiro's voice. And let me show you the money that you put in, you get out. You get out whatever you wanna get. So if it was purely democratic, the way that they all articulated it as being, you know, in the mid 2000s, when I joined Facebook, when I joined Twitter, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. They used to say free speech is the answer to free speech. I don't think this is about free speech anymore. There's no free speech. I'm not getting the same airwaves as Ben Shapiro and we came up at the same time. We were up on the same cable news networks. We had the same ratings and in some cases, I had better ratings than him. But he has a political agenda that has a lot more money behind it than our political agenda, which is democracy. Because at the root of it all, democratic socialism, as Bernie Sanders says so well, the best way to define democratic socialism is more democracy. It's a fascist platform and I'm not gonna stop talking about it because this is the effect when you have this kind of money being poured into these platforms to skew towards extreme right-wing agendas. This is not your centrist Republican agenda anymore. This is an extreme right-wing agenda that only props up people like Orban, only props up people like Marine Le Pen, only props up people like Donald Trump and whoever's next. Only props up people like Bolsonaro. The same things are happening in all these different supposedly democratic uh, stronghold countries around the world. And of course, in non-democratic countries. But the effects are more people die, more fires, more earthquakes, more tornadoes, more floods. And more right wing wins. So it's time for whoever it is to step up and show their profiles and courage. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at not just the centrist Dems but the centrist Republicans. You know, you should own this. These are your people. You have to start fighting them as well. Can't just be us anymore. All right, everybody, we have a wonderful show today. Uh, we have Tassos Morphis. He has been on before. He is a reporter here in Athens, where I am right now. Uh, he has been an, an, a really great independent journalist who has uh, dug into much of the political corruption that's happened in this city and in this country. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how the far right is protesting their center right prime minister and other politics that are happening here. Very excited to have him on. And then later we have our favorite uh, Rep. Rab and Ren Chattery are back to talk about the news of the world right now. So stick around. We will be right back with Tasos Morpheus. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. Tassos Morpheus is back. To TNS, he is the co-founder, editor, and he's on the board of the steering committee of Athens Live. We are just, you know, like a twenty-minute walk away from each other right now. Uh, except I'm, I'm quarantined for the moment, <laughs> which actually leads to the conversation we're about to have because turns out, um, just for our Greek Americans watching right now, we're about to go to Greece. Uh, you can't go to Mykonos. <laughs> What's going on, Thasos? In Mykonos and other islands, uh, in relation to the Delta variant.
2: So, everyone everyone was wondering a couple months ago when uh, when tourism opened in Greece. Everyone was wondering what was going to happen. Most scientists said uh, that the variants are going to take over, and this thing cannot be controlled very very easily. So, it's it's um. It made obvious, everything was made obvious when, uh, Mykonos, the flagship island of the Greek tourism, like worldwide famous with all the, with all the uh, celebrities, uh, arriving in the private jets. Um, Mykonos was placed the highest, uh, in the highest risk, risk, uh, risk zone by the ministry. And this is, this is a great, this is a great example to see how, to see how, um, how dangerous it was for tourism to, to to be allowed in Greece, and also that the wealthiest um, island on uh, in the country was the center, was the epicenter of the of the of the virus. Um, more uh, incidents are um, recorded in more cases, more COVID cases are recorded um, and registered on the, on several other islands. We have. Um, Teenagers were getting the Delta variant, and we're having um, families who are being um, uh, quarantined in hotels, in special hotels. And um, this is why the government has been seeking to increase the number of hotels who are offered to those who are infected. And um, so you have this. You have this very. This very weird phenomenon, where um, COVID cases on the islands are are um, increasing, uh, more islands are being placed in the higher risk um, zones, and the government, on the other hand, is very optimistic about uh, about the state of tourism, and um, and ministers go out in the media and and say publicly that um, arrivals are going to increase. And travelers are going to come, and flights are booked, and we're waiting for, for 350 flights uh, from the US in August and um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the 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 transmission of the of the of the Delta variant is so is uh, so rapid, um, and uh, with half of Greeks being vaccinated today. Uh, the twenty-eighth, we uh, we hit um, the five million vaccinations mark, which means that less something between forty-five percent and fifty percent of the population um, is um, fully vaccinated, and um, this prepares uh, this should prepare us for the worst in autumn. Uh, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be a very tough, it's gonna be a very tough uh, autumn, and it's going to be. In, super challenging for the national health care system.
1: So, okay, um, a few things here. The, the, so, so somebody got the virus on the island of Mykonos, which I'm not sure how every other island... I, I was in Kalinos a few weeks ago, and my hotel, which had like, you know, I think 12 rooms or something, was halfway full. So tourism at that stage was was definitely down. I don't know how it is in Mykonos, but... Um, what I've been reading is that it was very hard for people to find hotels to stay at and they couldn't go to other islands. Like there's, can you explain just the dynamics of what happens when you suddenly have the Delta variant and you have to force, you know, go into quarantine and leave your hotel and leave your, you know, whoever you're with. And of course, as a virus works, uh, more and more people have to go through that.
2: So when you, when you are officially, um, um, registered as a COVID case. You need to leave the hotel you have booked and you need to go into, um, a, a, a hotel, another hotel that's, that's booked by the national healthcare system, uh, as a quarantined hotel to isolate. Um, there are also incidents and cases where some people didn't have, uh, some islands didn't have rooms, uh, to spare for such, um, situations. And people have, I, I heard one one case, um, I think it was in Paris, where a bunch of eighteen year olds they had to stay at the parking lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's 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 really it's really, really sad, you know. Uh you just get
1: a tent t- and sit on the beach. Come on now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so um, uh uh the worst part is that when when there are no current hotels no parenting hotels in, your, in in the island that you're residing or you're visiting um you have no option to to to, to get transferred to another island um or um board some kind of like coastal vessel and get to on another island or take a ferry um so while you have while we have um uh hospital admissions due to covid um increasing um we don't have uh, enough hotels on the islands to, to 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 quarantine and isolate isolate the cases um and this shows this shows basically how uh, unprepared uh we were as a as a state and how the government um put revenue over lives um, and this is why, this is why now the whole, whole, uh, island situation is getting out. It's getting out of hand.
1: So the government, um, I think our audience remembers that Syriza was in power a couple of years ago and then, uh, prime minister Mitsotakis is now, um, the prime minister and, uh, you know, without going into just like all of the political dynamics, because it could take us, you know, three hours on the show to talk about the factions. Um, he's been getting protests. He's, he's, is it fair to say he's from the center right? Is that a fair enough? Like he is a person um, more traditionally from the center, right? He's a conservative that fair to liberal. Say? He's a conservative liberal. I don't yes. know if that would translate the same in the U S but okay. Is <laughs> he's like a George Bush like if like for for our audience i wouldn't he's not like a biden because biden no, no, would no, never like a,
2: conservative, build a, a way more conservative george bush
1: okay so conservative liberal to the u.s means joe biden so yes okay so he's a more conservative <laughs> from george bush that's, that's what i thought okay good got it um all right so mitsutakis is a is a is a conservative george bush <laughs> and he built a coalition with part of the far right um, And now he is being protested by an extreme far right uh, Who have been protesting his vaccinations I just have to tell a personal story Because I like, I had to bite my tongue And just be a journalist in the moment in the taxi But um, just warning to, to folks Unlike New York, taxis are not progressive here <laughs> And they all have political opinions
2: The yellow tribe. <laughs>
1: Uh huh. Uh, so I was, I was leaving the studio last week, uh, on Friday, I think it was Friday or Wednesday, I can't remember. And we were driving through Sintagma Square, and there's all this, all this chaos going on. And the taxi driver, I realized, was listening to far right wing radio. I wasn't paying attention at first. And then I was like, oh my, it's insane. It's like worse than Rush Limbaugh. And, um, and then he starts just telling me everything about how Mitsotakis, the, Right wing George Bush is a communist who is partnering up with Joe Biden and they are literally, they're fascist communists and they're, 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 they're cracking down and they're going to kill us. And it's the end of democracy. It's so confusing. I mean, this is why I say we don't want to talk about this for, for three hours, but it was so confusing to me because I'm like, how could you be against democracy? Okay. I don't, I can't, I need a chart to map this out. But um, who's a sympathizer? And he said, "You know, they're unleashing the the police on us, and they're beating the anti-vaxxers. And the anti-vaxxers, who he was defending, were far, were the far right, and they're saying that the police are fascists. <laughs> help help me understand.
2: So, what happened? Um, uh, if I could, put it, if, if if I could somehow draw it on the political spectrum is that the the the, the party of kiriakos mitsotakis new democracy the ruling party who have engulfed over the years the right from the from the from the moderates to the extreme far right they have engulfed they have engulfed ex nazi collaborators they have engulfed people who supported uh, the dictatorship they have engulfed um conservatives um uh, they have engulfed um, progressives uh, who, who who need more. Let's say who want a more neoliberal uh, fiscal program, and they couldn't find it uh, in the in the in the um, social democracy or the left. Um, and over the years, um, he had um, he. He had created, and over the years, New Democracy was becoming some sort of, um, a coalition between all the, all the different parties, uh, all the different parts of the, of the right. So, um, New Democracy hasn't, has engulfed all the parts of, of the right. And, um, there is a very, there is a very, uh, very popular, a uh, scheme of things that depicts this um, this engulfment. It's called the right building, um, the right building block, if I can put it that way, and it shows how all the parts of the of the of the right wing are um, residing in the same in the same building. Um, so Mitsotakis, who was presented as a Harvard-educated um, liberal. Um, very progressive, very concerned about human rights, Um, found himself um, uh, leading a party that uh, had super-conservatives, far-right extremists to um, younger, more moderates. And uh, himself, he might not be um so conservative but when you're leading a flock of <laughs> a pack of wolves from the from the right then you uh, you cannot really control um your actions your political actions so and, and, what and, and happened what happened go ahead uh is that this formation um new democracy this, this political party was always accusing the left of uh being communist and they were embedding Know, within their statements is rhetoric of the communists and et etc. et cetera. Um, and they had their, th- their backs uh, uncovered, meaning that they had Golden Dawn, who was a Nazi party in the far right, and they were always using it as a scapegoat to, to, to wash themselves off from any, um, For, for, um, about any uh, wrongdoings uh, regarding their ideology. So now that Golden Dawn is, when Golden Dawn is in jail, they have their backs uncovered and, uh, there is a, there is space in the far right space that is now somehow being covered by the anti-vaxxers. And the thing is that they have messed up. The government has messed up so badly, um, and they're receiving criticism from the far from the far right. I don't think I don't think that the far right in Greece is um, going to uh, reform itself after Golden Dawn very very fast and easily. But there is definitely a lot of people who are super disappointed coming from the far right. Who super who are super disappointed with the policies of uh, new democracy and they need a way out so um, something is brewing um something in the far right is brewing um, but I, I, I cannot i cannot i cannot see it somehow in the political spectrum uh, over the next over the next uh, months or probably or probably years it's very important to know that the government hasn't managed uh, the coronavirus situation in the best way possible. Um, and they have left a lot of space for conspiracy theories, um, for arguments against vaccination. Um, you, we had a committee of epidemiologists who sent um, the wrong signals multiple times. And um, given also the background, the Greece, the Greece is a very religious country. Uh, this created a very explosive mixture that, um, that that has something that has that keeps the flame the far right uh, flame burning.
1: And there were there were uh bishops that showed up leading some of these demonstrations, these protests.
2: This isn't this isn't the the position, uh, the official position of the church. Right. While the church hasn't asked for the believers clearly to go and get vaccinated. They they weren't, they didn't give um, a very crystal clear directive that folks we need to get vaccinated. Uh, They said something, I don't remember right now, the exact phrasing, but they said something like, God uh, should enlighten us so we get the vaccine. Something like this.
1: I I have a solution for them. The, 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 the scientist who came up with the Pfizer vaccine was Greek. So clearly God chose, these are all Nash. I'm saying this because they're nationalists, they're religious. God created this Greek man to create the Pfizer vaccine so that you nationalists could take
3: it.
2: I think he's a refugee. He's a refugee. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a refugee from the (laughs) Middle East who grew up in Greece and, um, It's
1: like Yannis. They love Yannis. And unless, you know,
2: they don't, they don't. That's the thing. So another very interesting thing is how political sports in Greece are. You have all the progressive part of Greece that supports Yannis and sees Yannis as, as a perfect role model for, for various, for various things. And you have all the far right and the center right that, um, supports tennis players, really famous tennis players, uh such so as and Zachary, who are um who are phenomenal. Uh but Zachary is in a relationship with the Sun's prime minister. And Titipas has yeah, And we're also doing gossip. So dramatic. This is so here. dramatic. Uh, is so yeah. dramatic.
1: <laughs> Keep it coming.
2: <laughs> and uh Pass has always been bragging about wealth and power and money. So, tennis. yeah, I think they're super, super political, super, super sports Wait, And coming. then the
1: Australian Greek tennis player, I mean, the diaspora, so, here, okay, I'm like, I'm not strategizing. If the Greek Orthodox Church, which is very, very defend, dependent on the Greek diaspora, which is more conservative, but also uh, very tied into the support of Joe Biden, who's been very close to the to that, mm-hmm. his relationship with the diasporas. We're getting really into the weeds here, but, um, Joe Biden has a very large base of donors from the Greek, uh, diaspora in the United States. Very large. I think it might be his biggest, if that's the case. Um, I feel like there might be some like wedge, there's some wedging that could be done there. Like Biden could just lean in and be like, Hey, you know, get things in order here. I mean, that, that's the thing that I mean, just from an American perspective, I wish Joe Biden could be more of a leader on this and, Help leaders in different countries, especially Prime Minister Mitsotakis and perhaps the diocese, to understand that like you have the power here to move folks in if you actually do it in a constructive way. But not like he knows how to do that.
2: The, the policies of Joe know. Biden are very very progressive compared to the Mitsotakis policies. Yes. There is no way is- there is no way Mitsotakis can relate to Biden um, because. He has several ministers around him that, that believe that Joe Biden's a communist, and they have been vocal supporters of Trump. You have the minister, the Minister yeah. of uh, Development, Adam Jurriadis, who was a vocal supporter of Trump, and he was bragging around in TV um, about how good Trump is and how he would vote for Trump with both hands. So um, this is a very delicate issue. And you can we can see the way Jodak has been portrayed in uh, international media and the way Michotakis is portrayed in local media. So, um, there is no common ground between Michotakis and Joe Biden. Right. Um, um Michotakis is more of, uh, more of, um, is something between Viktor Orban and, uh, <laughs> and, um, um, Joe Biden leaning to, to, to Orban more. Um, and like
1: Macron and Orban, maybe? Like, yeah, I'm exactly, trying to find exactly, some Yeah, exactly, sort
2: of. Sorry, but. But you know, you have seen Macron with all the flowers around his neck. So he somehow like escaped my 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 Rolodex. Um and yeah, this is why also the US is building a, a massive a massive um base in Alexandropoli. Uh there is very strong um um a massive what? Base? A massive army base, yes. I didn't um, know. You were. There is very strong military cooperation between the two countries. Uh, That's why they don't. um, That's why Putsytag is not um, resulting. Like he's not. He's not making any statements regarding U.S. policies.
1: Um, On that note. Mitsotakis is being accused, and I, I know we—we we, this was not part of our original commentary, but you said human rights, and I laugh because uh, right now he's being accused of, of violating international human rights law based on how he's dealing with refugees. So um, we may just have to have you back on again because I'm going to be here for a while, so we can talk about all the other things—the the femicides, the feminist movement—but there's uh, the, the the refugee camps here, um, of course, and of course, refugees have been coming over the same rate because of COVID, but. Um, can, you kind of, can you help us understand, they're shutting down many of these refugee camps. He's blocking refugees from coming in right now. Can you explain the dynamics? So
2: um, in 2019, it was in the first months of 2019, there, there were um, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of refugees who were trying to enter Greece from its um, soil borders in Alexandropoli, in the northern part of Greece. And Mitsotakis um, uh, was in power very few, very few uh, months, and um, this 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 was a starting point in order to tighten security and in order to move into a, a new phase um, with, uh, with the Greece Turkey relations and EU Turkey relations, um, and this was a pivotal moment because after that. Greece started tightening uh, security on the on the sea, uh, doing pushbacks. It's 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 uh, recorded on camera. Uh, human rights organizations. It's a pushback. Pushback means I'm a refugee and I'm trying to uh, go into to enter another country, and this country is sending me back to where so I came like from
1: on a boat, and of a, a navy vessel says to them go back to, I mean, yes. some of these islands just and for, for how, how much distance, I mean, I've been to some of these islands, like, can you explain uh, the distance
2: to it Turkey? It can be about half a mile, from half a mile to, to three, four, five, six miles. They're pretty close. Like some people some people swim. Um, and pushback means that you have a you have a coast guard vessel that is uh, circling the life raft, the, the, the inflatable boat with the refugees, and is uh, is eventually pushing the boat with the waves from the m- from the motor back to uh, Turkish waters. Um, it's a violation a, clear hum- a violation of human rights. Greece has been doing this deliberately um, and also has been not admitting it deliberately. Uh, and the worst part is that under um, tank refugee camps um, across Greece are being walled. And what I mean is that we're literally Greece is literally building massive walls around refugee camps. And this is this is something that you know as Greeks we, we shouldn't we shouldn't accept for sure. Uh, but it happened during COVID and no one could no one could resist. Um, so yeah, under Mitsotakis, things have have been um, worsening for refugees, and uh, um, they're only going to worsen.
1: And he's closing them down, is it correct? that He's closing them down and within six months, and within six months, the refugees have to find housing, That's full-time employment yes. in this beautiful yes. economy that most Greeks yes. are just you know killing it out right now. Like. And,
2: uh, I was reading today that banks are blocking the accounts of refugees so many are left without any pocket money because we're talking about pocket money. We're not talking about any large amount. We're talking about pocket money that has been provided by the UN. So yeah, the situation is, is deteriorating a lot. Um, and uh, I, I really don't know what's going to happen after, after autumn where the economy is going to be literally in shambles. And, um, like Greece is totally out of money. Uh, and, uh, probably Erdogan, we're going to have some developments in our, uh, in our relationship with Erdogan. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty tough. Why is that the Erdogan? What's, what's
1: the, it's, the development? It,
2: it's because Erdogan has appeared on Cyprus, on the northern part of Cyprus, that uh, has been invaded by, by, by Turks in 1974. Um, and he has made some statements. Also, there are some oil drilling um uh, vessels who are circling Greek islands. Uh, there are fighter jets that are um, dogfighting with Greek fighter jets. Generally, there is tension. Uh, I mean, we bought billions. Uh, we bought fighter jets from France worth billions when we couldn't, during COVID, when we couldn't build ICUs and hospitals, and there are 30,000, uh, pupils being left out of university. There's a very, why Greece is, is, um, is interesting from a left perspective. It's because you can see clearly how a neoliberal agenda is being implemented very, very strategically and, and, uh, um, without any reactions.
1: Well, I think, you know, what's also fascinating to me is, um, I don't understand the political, like it's one thing for me to, to, you to have an agenda, a political uh, motivation, but I don't, this, this can't be coming from his, I really, I mean, he's not that much of an idiot. I mean, his, he comes from a legacy of politicians. This is somebody who obviously understands political dynamics and I don't really understand what he's going to gain from having, you know, right now the refugee crisis exists and people are aware of it, but they're aware of it because there's refu- there are refugees who are on, the streets. It is only going to get worse 10, 20, 30 fold, hundred fold. If you shut down camps and force people to go in the streets and not, and, and not have access to housing and, 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 and funds. And I mean, how is this beneficial to me? like where politically, because that's of course, politicians only care about their politics and getting it, staying in power. How does that help him?
2: So, um... Mitsotakis has a very has a very strong team uh, with him uh, with experienced uh, um, executives in leadership. Uh, so he has built a very strong team around him that help him uh, um, drive decisions. And um, he's investing he's investing a lot in his image. All the media are on his side. Um, and but all the media is
1: right-wing, like everywhere else in the world. All the media is owned by these major media conglomerates and yeah, families. Yeah. And yeah, it's not because they like are in love at uh, all.
2: And also he's investing in social dynamics, uh, meaning that he's always finding social groups to blame uh, and divert the agenda towards something that uh, he him wants to, to pass. Um, he divides and conquers. It's very very easy to see. Uh, a few months ago, he was blaming young folks uh, that are transmitting COVID, who they were just hanging out in the parks. There was there was a massive uh, demonstration <laughs> around these massive demonstrations, so wave demonstrations around these um, around young it, people it,
1: hanging out in the parks.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. They, they, they were demonstrations because because at some point, get off my dogs, lawn. <laughs> God, Caps were were actually invading the squares and they were arresting people um and in one case in Nassme this was cotton on tape and it was a very brutal it was a very brutal uh, moment that was uh, circulated around um the, the net and um, it led to a massive demonstration um so he's using social dynamics in order to 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 categorize uh, groups of people into certain into certain categories and uh, blame them for the situation. It was the young folks uh, some months ago. Now it's the unvaccinated. Um, time he's trying to find someone to blame for the situation. And this is a very, this is a very, this is a very, uh, this is a permanent tactic he's following. He's, he's, um, he's, in, he's very aware of how this works. And um, it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect tool um, when you have all the media by your side. He's, exactly been he's been filing has been a false uh, <laughs> tax record for the last four years.
0: So he owns explain a company. that
2: for he for owns that? a company, mm-hmm. so in Greece politicians they need to file to file publicly their tax, uh, their tax records. And, um, he has been, he has been, um, he has been filing, uh, wrongly filing, um, his tax records. Um, and a a French company that he owns shares and his his wife actually owns shares. wasn't appearing in his funds, in, in his funds declaration. And there's a, a newspaper that brought this thing on the surface, and they're not responding. They're not responding. But they get away
1: with it. I mean, this is ultimately kind of of the, the game yes, that's approach, happening. Approach. Everybody's getting away with it. COVID is, is the economic crisis. COVID, all of these factors are, are of course, part of why right. people are exhausted. But also, the media is just non-existent yeah. now. We don't have investigative yeah. reporters like yourself doing uh, yeah. the work. Tasso, I I have so many more questions, so I'm just going to say, let's, let's do another one. Can we, can we, I'm Absolutely.
2: here for a bit. Anytime. Anytime. Okay, perfect. So that's um, to talk thank about.
1: you for everything. <laughs> Everyone, Thanks if you're really you interested, of course, of course. Um, if you're interested in learning more about what's happening in Greece, it's he, Tasso is the co-founder and the editor. It's, it, it's an incredible breakdown all in English. Athens live wire um, as someone who, who covers a lot of international stuff. It's it's very hard to find, you know, it's very hard to find deep analysis in the English language for the broader, um, you know, globe really, um, to to read and, and understand the political dynamics. But I think you did an extra, extraordinary job of doing that. And of course it's independent media, which does not make it easier. So uh, go check out Athens Wire. What is it? Athens AthensLiveWire.com. Is that it?
2: AthensLive.gr. And you can okay, keep we'll on the, and subscribe.
1: Go subscribe if you can throw some uh some dollars or whatever you if you're an international audience, just throw what you can. Uh it, it makes a huge difference. I actually think it makes more of a difference here than it does in the States because just a lot of there's a lot of competition and I think there's more of an audience. And and I think in the in Greece it's it makes it goes a long way. So please contribute what you can. Thanks, Tasso.
2: Thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much. Bye bye.
1: Right, everybody uh cbd moment cbd love moment a love bomb for sunset like cbd not just any cbd but sunset like cbd sunset like cbd is a farmer-owned company that shifts craft cbd products directly from their farm to your door and they have something for everyone from fudge to dog biscuits to tinctures gummies salves coffee Lotion all help to design with stress, aches, and pains. And let me tell you, I have all three, and it has helped me quite a bit. I use a salve uh, which has arnica in it for anything from joint pain to rashes to just like putting it into my nose and really enjoying the smell because it smells delicious. Um, I love the tinctures, which help me sleep f- like a full night's sleep at night. So I'm not tossing and turning um, or in pain because I have sciatica. Let me just talk about my aches and pains for a second. <laughs> It's hard to believe that I am not 92 years old because I sound like it all the time when I'm doing these ads, but it really is an extraordinary product. My mother, my family, my aunt gets the fudge. My mom loves the coffee. She loves the gummies. We are huge uh, fans of Sunset Lake CBD in our household. And now my friends are on it as well on it. Uh, But it really, I mean, other than just being a great product, and I think this is why it's a great product, they actually were able to diversify a farm, a Ben and Jerry's farm, you know, that Ben and Jerry's that's really kicking ass in the world right now. Uh, socially conscious, progressive, that's that's who they are. They are uh, a, a, when you're actually supporting Sunset Lake CBD, you are actually supporting rural communities, rural economies, and helping the employment uh, sustain itself in those communities because they are based in Vermont where that Ben and Jerry's farm was flipped. Not only are they up there in Vermont doing the good work, they pay their minimum wage at $15 an hour and their employees own the majority of their company. They also support independent media, progressive media like our show, like the Majority Report and the David Pakman Show. Go check it out. They have some biscuits out right now, dog biscuits that you can also eat with your doggy if you're into that. Uh, Or you can just eat on your own if you're also into that. But it's got, they have, five milligrams of CBD and contain no artificial flavorings or sweeteners, which is important to me and my pup because I want Bijou to live a very long life. And he is still very puppy-like. And I think it's because we've been giving him a natural diet since his birth. So go check it out. You can get 20% off, 20% off of your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. If you type in Nomi, N-O-M-I, 20% off your entire order, sunsetlakecbd.com, and type in N-O-M-I. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. Coming here live. To tape uh, from Berlin, similar time zone, is our dear friend Arun Chowdhury. He is a political filmmaker. He was formerly the first official White House videographer, and he was the creative director for Bernie man. Sanders' 2016 campaign. When I when saw I was that photo you
4: posted. Man. You still,
1: you still are. <laughs> I, I still am
4: middle aged, though. Let's actually let's celebrate yeah. that at least.
1: Let's celebrate that. You post these photos. I don't know if you do it in your public accounts as well, but. There are these like lovely little throwbacks of you at the Obama White House or on the Bernie campaign in 2016, which was way more fun, I think. Um, Not than 2020, also more fun than that, but probably also more fun than the Obama. I mean, I'm sure there was like fun in uh, the Obama White House, given the historic context and just juxtaposition to the George W. Bush White House. But
4: I will say it was a bit joyless in the end because it was just it was still kind of this you campaign from dawn to dusk thing. John McCain was probably going to lose, but you still have to go through the motions anyway. Uh, I will say during the actual because it was so close, the actual like showdown and knowing and we sort of whitewash this now, but knowing that we were grinding down the, you know, most the, the 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 front runner candidate that was being pushed by the establishment, you know, people were not allowed to endorse Obama, just knowing that we were grinding them down to a halt and then slowly reversing it did feel like something though. And, and, and I think kind of ruined the experience in Bernie a bit for me because people were like, Is this what winning feels like? And you're like, this isn't quite what winning feels like. We need to like get over a couple more humps, you know?
1: Oh no, you knew you had that feeling. Yeah. 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 Um, but the photos of you in the White House, though, once you were actually in the White House were. You know for the kids who uh did not exist before (laughs) politics didn't exist before bernie there was a moment where there was hope in the obama world and i you were there for that you were very present and uh the photos are pretty cool so but now you host the committee program and you do amazing stuff uh worldwide Mm -hmm. and the committee program of course airs here on tns at uh 3 p.m eastern Uh, it is a great show. We're getting lots. I'm getting notes from people about it now. Like this is kind of how it works. It starts to, you know, you, you build, you build, you build, and then it starts to click. And then, you know, you know how stuff in the viral universe works. You're not Ben Shapiro and you don't have like the heritage. Yeah. It doesn't work virally.
4: It works by a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, speaking of big money funding operations in different places and not knowing how they operate, uh, I wanted to discuss this with you before Rep. Rab joins us because you have done work, especially in Eastern Europe, the Balkans, Ukraine. Uh, There's an article in Politico, not my favorite publication, but it is an article that is worth discussing, uh, titled Biden Wants Putin to Behave. So why not go after his money? Now, of course, that speaks to me because that's always my angle. Like, just follow the money. There you go. But it's way easier and it's way more divisive to not follow the money and pretend like it's not there. But I've always felt this way about the the Putin angle and also with Donald Trump. You know, following Donald Trump's tax returns is important, but I also personally felt as a New Yorker that... If you follow all of his money, it might lead back to a lot of real estate holdings in which Democrats are also just as guilty of the sexy nicks of taxes
4: is just the Capone thing. Everyone just remembers in the yes. back of their mind they got Capone on taxes. And so this is just a thing in the back of everyone's mind, you know? The same thing with Watergate. Yes. Everybody's like, there's a tape someplace. You know, this this just happened to be two different idiosyncratic things.
1: Right. No, that's exactly it. And and but yeah, like there's also this is a game in some ways that in especially large cities, a lot of this money that whether it's Putin. Putin's money or the oligarchs that are supporting Putin or the oligarchs against Putin um, or Chinese oligarchs or Saudi Arabia now, oh pick your pick your favorite oligarch. Uh you know, they're they're putting their money in real estate holdings. And so from my perspective, specifically with, with that angle, like it does tie back to many Democrats in big cities too. And so it's sort of like we don't touch it. We don't touch it, because it also could, in some ways, you know, whether it's developers who uh, I know. No, this isn't the topic. of This isn't the Putin article. But developers who are reliant on um, these apartments being bought in cash. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I know. mean,
4: every, I think all the way from London, New York. Anyone who lives in any of these, you know, big cities is is very aware that there is a lot of money being being laundered in real estate, especially in city centers. It's certainly not only, you know, Russian money. A lot of it comes in, uh, a lot of it is petrodollars and comes in from all over uh, petro states, wherever they are and wherever people are trying to, to tuck money away.
1: But, you know, simultaneously, if you're in a city like New York, as as opposed to London, you know, these um, these big developers are giving money to democratic uh, lawmakers. And they're, they're also doing that with the partnership of a lot of the unions that are dependent on these buildings being uh built and and you know having doormen at the buildings and having you know whether it's building trades or actual uh real you know contractors coming in and i mean this is this is part of the ecosystem and so oftentimes you know or the tax incentives that are put in place often you know through democrats you know how many times there have been rezonings so it's i've always felt like you know, you don't touch it because it's going to lead back to a lot of folks that we supposedly think are progressive heroes. Um, but that's my my soapbox. Let's go back to this because it, I, I do think it ties to the question of why don't they try to find, follow Putin's money? Supposedly he's the world's richest man. Um, what's what's your take on this? Is You know, there's there's the aspect of the ransomware attack specifically um, and how, you know, how that, could potentially like following the ransomware monies, whether it's organizations that have been buying ads, or obviously much more sophisticated. Pop, uh, I think strategies,
4: and I think it's maybe even like often a little bit less sinister and a little more stupid. At the end of the day, the reason some of this stuff doesn't get done, it's like we have so many things that are custom and not law when it comes to how our government operates. How consultants and political operatives who are defined in strange ways, you know, talk about you know, like gig workers, hard thing to define, actually try to define a lobbyist. Like, you know, this is, a, this is a slippery thing. And I think, and I think there are people who don't want, rather than I'm doing something wrong and I don't want you to uncover it. It's like, I don't even know if I'm doing anything wrong because it's all so squishy and I don't even want to start down this. Uh, and I think you measure measure that off against the fact of, we do a lot of economic sanctions against specific oligarchs, against Russians. It's hard to hurt rich people. You know, and when you're going after specifically the segment of the moneyed kind of folks around Putin and stuff, it's actually really hard to hurt them. And so I do think when people tell you like, you know, people are working hard on sanctions for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I I do think there's been kind of a more conscious and I do appreciate that on the left of, you know, how much economic violence can be wrought from sanctions and how you do want to think about it before you do it. And it's not just, you know, light. But I think when they try to do these things specifically against individuals in Russia, it becomes this extreme complex kind of game of darts Uh, and it may seem ineffective, but I do think it's also, and you may disagree with this, but in proportion uh, to what we're trying to fight against in terms of ransomware, cyber warfare, like we do need a proportionate response and an overwhelming economic sanction would be disproportionately harsh. Uh, I think I do, we're just talking about Obama and it's sort of interesting. I do, in a lot of these things, take the Obama, and I haven't for a while taken a signal for you know from Obama, but in terms of Russia meddling, which is, yeah, they're doing it, but like we re, you know, but it's not very effective. They're not particularly good at anything other than selling people oil, and we're really pumping up a regional, you know, uh, uh, a regional tyrant in Putin by doing so. Um
1: with that being said, though, I mean, he didn't have the same level of like the, 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 the social Cambridge Analytica, I don't think like the, the, I'm not saying that the Russians necessarily were directly, directly linked, but you know, there, there are coalitions that have been built around whether it's Dugan um, out of Russia, you know, aligning up with, with with Steve Bannon and really trying to orchestrate, I'm just these, saying the actual impressions know, versus just the chaos that happens
4: mm-hmm. online is, is less significant than people think. And again, this is something that's certainly debatable amongst people. But like the actual impressions that you see every day that are sort of nefarious versus normal right. is so small. And as you know, seventy five percent of people who encounter your Facebook content are encountering it for the first time.
1: Yeah, but it's dangerous. It's like, okay, great. But sure. also these people aren't getting vaxxed and they're showing up and they're protesting. Like we, previous segment, we talked about how they're protesting uh, the right-wing government. <laughs> like the right, right, right-wing is protesting the right-wing government saying that they're communists. Yeah. I mean, these people are vocal. And of course, power is more responsive to those folks than they are to. And they can hold up, they can hold up any sort of movement. Um way more than a a a global left that's building, um, as we know too well. But I think I, my only, my last question before- Germany we is a Rob hotbed is, for this
4: as well, also. Like, you know- Tell us more, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a mob coalesces around probably something that's pushed on Facebook and the ideology is bizarre. You know, it's essentially neo-Nazis but they're calling you. They're like, you must be a Jewish Nazi because you're wearing a mask, you know? And you're like, I'm having trouble like unparsing, you know, like, you know, the part where I'm a Jewish Nazi communist, like all of this together. But it really yeah. is just, it's almost like the Bercher society. And we're like, we're not even sure what you're into, but you know what you're not into. And you've made a whole little hate club on it. And it does feel a bit like this, a bit uh, ideologically flexible. And I think that's, that's mm-hmm. why it's so hard to yes. sort of explain away. Uh, Online when it's like, no, no, let me tell you about vaccines. That's not what it's about, right? It's a hodgepodge of feelings
1: It's interesting you say I I feel, you know, depending on the country and you know this very well like this is ultimately it. it's like they're They're nimble. They're nimble with their ideology as long as there's an enemy as long as the enemy is obviously not the uh, pure uh, ethnicity, whatever that ethnicity is and they're and in, and in, in they're and they the underdog. They're painting themselves as the underdogs against you know maybe the other under, uh, scapegoats. Again, whether it's those in power, whether it's uh, the media, whether it's capitalists, whether it's uh, women, whether it's people of color, whether it's uh, progressives, communists. You know, you you find it, but they're so nimble and
3: not.
1: it's like no, this, like, they're nimble. They leave no, th- yeah.
4: they leave no traces. They leave no traces. Let me let me give you like an example is all of a sudden the kind of idea of the welfare queen as a narrative they talk about is gone. And instead, you know, uh, the real enmity behind black people is that they are somehow sort of woke middle-class folks who wanna cancel your police, right? It's no longer there an underclass from the cities who are soaking up your resources because they are ideologically moving to the left economically because that's where uh, the, pa- the hunger for power is. And I do think it's important for everyone watching this do consume right-wing media as well as consuming the media that you like, as well as consuming, of course, uh, you know, this program and others that are on here. You do need to keep an eye. You do need to keep an eye on this other stuff. And I would recommend actually there's a thing called blind spot, which is kind of a cool Mm. little newsletter you can sign up for where it kind of shows you news articles that drifted through on the left and on the right without affecting the other, Uh, because there's a lot of this stuff and you don't know what they're talking about unless you pay attention.
1: Those are good. I think that it's important to go to places where they're, uh, they're reading it and watching it for you, but giving them more clicks, whether it's, you know, sharing a battle. Oh, or you can or know what they're talking
4: article. about. You can know what they're talking about without, I mean, like getting into, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Take a, take a look at the top lines, take a look at the top sheets, look at the headlines, but also blind spots, actually a good way probably to get around. That's great. Uh, that, That's really helpful. Give you the newsletter.
1: On, um, you mentioned uh, racism, and I have a lot of thoughts because there's been some stuff that's been happening this week. Um, And I want to bring in Rep Rab because he's been doing some amazing work uh, this week in the Pennsylvania legislature. Welcome to the stage for Return. Rep Rab, representing the 200th district of Pennsylvania in the legislature, he is in his car because I assume he's doing the good work in Pennsylvania. Uh, And we're very excited to have you join us because. Iran just mentioned how you know, we were talking about the strategies of the right wing and and start off with a conversation with with Putin, but specifically around like just the, the funding mechanisms and how the media propagates things and how they're the right is so nimble. Um, I don't know if you caught this piece, but there was an article in Politico by David Siders uh, came out today called America is not racist becomes the GOP's 2024 Mantra. And my initial take is if you're explaining, you're losing. That's just where I'm going to leave it. But I'm also of the belief that Democrats are so incompetent that we're still in deep trouble. So, Rep. Brad, you're surrounded by a bunch of racists in your legislature. What are your thoughts on on their defensiveness?
3: (laughs) That's quite so who's not surrounded by a bunch of racists in the state legislature. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) It's it's the right. See, that's the that's the issue. It's it's the norm. If someone were to say sexism doesn't exist, they'd be laughed out, I would hope they'd be laughed out of the room. But somehow when you talk about racism, oh, well, well, no, uh -uh, those days, the past. And then you gotta ask those people, what constitutes racism for? Like, uh, is it a burning cross on the front lawn? Is it uh, saying the N-word in mixed company? in mixed company. Right. (laughs) Um, what, what is it? Because they keep moving, you know, the boundaries for what is socially acceptable. And at, at some point you just have to call a racist, a racist. And I think you're right. If, if you are having to explain yourself, you've already lost. I also agree that, um, generally speaking, not Democrats specifically, but generally, Our society is uncomfortable having the difficult conversations, most notably about its origin story, which is largely fiction, and how that revolves around race and specifically white supremacy. So it addresses the stolen land part, it represents the stolen labor part, it represents um, our founding documents. And they talked about um, merciless Indian savages in the Declaration of Independence. this is it, this is uh, central to all the things we consider most American, even though those things were not made as explicitly as we' are discussing it now. And you know whether it's manifest destiny, um, whether it's our participatory democracy that excluded so many folks, these are the conversations that Republicans and conservatives of both parties are afraid to have because, their children and grandchildren increasingly are questioning um, the reflexive, you know, pablum of, of uh, the, the rhetoric of, you know, not even can we all just get along, but please stop talking, <laughs> right, because we don't want to have those conversations. And so they're going to have issues in their own households, and not so much in their own party, but in that base that they seek to expand and that base. Um, they want in, they want to extend their reach into uh, rural and uh, working class communities but increasingly working class folks are seeing their connection to other struggles and seeing it it is uh, it is interrelated systems of oppression that actually allow us to collaborate and conspire shoulder to shoulder to to have a greater sense of shared prosperity so they actually have to work harder because more and more folks, who one would think outside of these blue bubbles are opposed to these discussions, are actually, um, I think, inspired and informed by them and see their place in society, even though they may not be from BIPOC communities. They can see, oh wait, I'm being exploited too. Our our fates are intertwined.
1: It's interesting, um, Arun, and and maybe you can comment this and and, you given your thoughts. This is coming from, the, uh, an organization that's religious, right? Um, this is a religious right group. They hosted, uh, it was called the family leadership summit. Uh, they hosted an event in Iowa this month with three presidential prospects, Mike Pence, uh, Mike Pompeo and, uh, South Dakota's Christy Noem. And, and I think it's, I don't know, my, 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 my thought on this is this could possibly backfire. So I'd love to get your analysis and, and thoughts. Because this might actually put Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and any Democrats who are um, in a position of defending the filibuster and other like institutions. Uh, in, in, you know, in the, in, in the Senate that they say are good for democracy, but there's a growing, as we saw, there are protests in Arizona with civil rights leaders, Jesse Jackson, um, Reverend Barber showed up in Arizona protesting Senator Sinema saying, you know, and the filibuster and her whole thing is like, Oh, it's good for democracy. And it's a great institution. It has a great legacy. And they're like, it's actually nothing racist institution. And like, you have to do something about it. So I feel like this actually, because they're taking it so far, right. Cause they want to depend on the right wing base. It might actually push these centrists to not look so despicable and use dem- democracy as their, uh, their, their, rea- their, reasoning. I don't know. I mean, run thoughts on everything. I, th-
4: I disagree with the tactically with our take on this, uh, and that, you know, I think we're all very nice, uh, reasonable members of the center left who uh, and left who see this as a invitation to a discussion. You're in Europe. So, center
1: left is very different. <laughs> Let's just yeah, very yeah. No, I,
4: I always say center left and left because I'm always talking about like the, the, the hapless center left party and then all these little parties who attach to it. <laughs> it's the same. So I'm getting used to always saying that. But, you know, it sounds like it's invitation discussion. You're like, oh, you're trying to explain you're losing. And I don't think about it that way. I think about it as the last word in a discussion, probably the smart last word to have in a discussion because they are trying to scoop up the voters who they feel have been pushed too far, who are willing to deal with, you know, uh, a certain amount of wokeness, but who've been pushed on the police, who've been pushed on other things. This is what I think they're thinking. This is the bet that they're making. Uh, And that some of those people, it's the end. It's like, you know what, we're not racist. It's not going to be an explanation afterwards of like why we're not racist. That's the whole thing. Like, that's the entire argument. Uh, So don't, I think, look for this as the conclusion. They're like, they all had this huge discussion all summer, last summers, about racism and wokeness and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. That conversation's over. We are not racist. The facts are in. Uh, Anyone who feels good about that, vote for us. And I think there's some votes there.
1: It's sort of the, like, I think the Catherine Garcia vote in New York, which is... Mm. uh, I mean it's it's an it's an uncomfortable place I think for a lot of uh you know white progressives who really didn't like the homeless being housed in their neighborhoods um when and and we're protesting you know Mayor de Blasio's moves on that and and we're very concerned about supposed rise in crime because the New York Post you know they don't read the New York Post but they pass by it every day um and I feel like she when she really leaned in on on the crime and punishment aspect of the city as Eric Adams did. Uh, but in a different way, because Eric Adams, even though he's a person of color for a police officer, they couldn't go that far. Um, and it was much easier for them to vote for a woman. So it, it, it's like taking these different molds, and I, I think that's ultimately it is like the center left, just as it was under Hillary Clinton is revealing or center right too, it's revealing itself to be just fundamentally racist. And they just want to cover it up in whatever way is possible. Um, but that's why I think that this might not work. I, I disagree. With you. I just, I just feel like the the right is going to take it so far that Kirsten Cinema is going to be, you know, backed into a corner. I don't know, Rep. Brad, what do you think? Marinating, that's, that's marinating.
3: A, I think that's <laughs> an interesting. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting analysis um, because at some point you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and say there's there are certain indisputable facts. And the question that I have, whether it's Senator Cinema or others, and maybe more for her, because she was she was uh, coming in with her queerness right on the front end. So when when you have the intersection of LGBTQ issues, uh, which continue to gain steam as, as well, they should. Um, and you're hitting up th- with this wokeness <laughs> quotient. Uh, what is she going to say? Is she going to say, Well, I'm not queer anymore? I'm not, these issues are no longer important, or these don't, uh, the issues that um, queer folk face aren't as serious or aren't comparable to issues of racism? Like that's quicksand. That's going to be challenging for her. So I think the opportunity is there to say, Hey, look, you know, if you came in strong on this issue, uh, you're indicted. Uh, by your silence, um, if you don't acknowledge certain basic facts, and when we talk about, um, and it's not just racism. Racism is one of many isms that are part of the these systemic issues that are at the heart of what it is, you know, to be an American, right? And uh, how we operate economically, culturally, socially, uh, spiritually, right? Because churches. Uh, <laughs> in a largely Christian nation, at least culturally Christian, is the the most uh, segregated place institution there is other than cemeteries. So, you know, I I think we're gonna have a really interesting inflection point here and it could go either way. I'm I'm gonna be very curious, but it creates a real opportunity for us to put those folks in a corner, right? And I I think cinema is in a much better position to be cornered than Joe Manchin.
4: I mean, we have to put this also in context of the other report, I think it was The Intercept, I forget who put it out, but uh, that there are talking points coming out of, and I'll let you know when I get my DNC talking points, which I usually do around now during the day, uh, that the idea in 2022 is to run against Republicans as being the ones who wanted to defund the police. And this seems like such a convoluted ideological thing to do in the context of, uh, of what you're talking about, Nomi. So like very specifically, I think this sort of takes that conversation a bit off the table if that's indeed the strategy.
1: I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to do is they're just trying to neutralize it. Um, knowing very well that, I mean, they know that Republicans are gonna use crime um, as a as a, whether it's completely bullshit or not. I mean, it's bullshit, obviously. Uh, we have more police. It's funded Nixon. Than They've the same before. campaign it's since sixty-eight. Every single time.
3: Yeah,
1: that's it. Every single time. And and of course, we the New York City Police Department is the largest and most powerful in the world. It, it, it's larger than some military budgets, as we know. Um, they're the greatest surveillance organization. Uh, I, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Oh, so so the Republicans who who are all for funding the police have no problem. Uh, I, I don't understand. I mean, supposedly the crime's up. It's not at all. It, it's up since 2013, sure, but 2013 was the strongest year ever in terms of, of crime. And July has been um, incredibly low, and usually crime does go up in summertime because people are are out. Um, anyways, but violent crime so has been that.
3: coming down consistently over yes. the past thirty years. Um, and crime, here's yeah. the violent crime. Here's the other thing too that that we don't hear enough about. That's a really good um, um, kind of uh, talking point because it's real and that is the the feature creep of modern policing is significant what was what was considered policing you know 70 years ago uh, would have been uh, unfathomable um would have been unfathomable then to to think cops would be responsible for all of the things that they're responsible for weighing in on or participating in you're you're Um, domestic uh, uh, abuse counselors, you are immigration officers, Um, you're mental health experts, right? But they don't have training for any of that.
4: (laughs) And an intelligence officer somehow like thrown in, you know?
3: Exactly. There are all these things, but here's the open secret. Most folks who want to be cops don't want to be cops so they can file more paperwork and do more things that are not central to law enforcement. Like, that's actually something that, I imagine most cops do not want to do. Now you can say there's a lot of authoritarian figures, right. Who are drawn to law enforcement. I think that's fair to say, right. But there's a difference between someone who is, who's attracted to bureaucracy, who's attracted to doing more things that takes them away from like the basics. It's, it's a small percentage and it's not, I'm not suggesting that, um, uh, People are joining the police force um, because they're they're uh, do-gooders. What I'm saying is they have a specific image in their mind of what cops should be. And even if that's not an image that we embrace, it sure as hell is not the actual job description when they're working in big city police forces and they're having to take on so many things. And the other thing, um, uh, cops in, in big cities with violent crime get paid a lot less than affluent suburbs with significantly less crime that is something that's not stated a lot so we're actually asking police officers to well we're not asking them to do a lot more the job is asking them to do a lot more in a more violent situation for less compensation Uh, that is actually not uh, a default that most cops want and my starting point is not well, what do the cops want? That's not where I'm starting, but is an important factor in this conversation. Just like we have to also acknowledge that the interest of management in police departments is not the same as rank and file who are represented by FOP, whereas management is represented by the chief of police association, which by the way, strongly supported my police misconduct database bill. Strongly, why? Because when they were hiring people whether you like the, the, the chiefs of police or not generally speaking, they never wanted to knowingly hire a liability who could get them fired or bankrupt their little township with a, a, a civil suit when someone killed or maimed someone. So they were flying blind because they couldn't ask the previous employer, hey, is this person a bad egg? Because that would open them up to uh, liability themselves. So now in Pennsylvania, They can and must ask those questions, and any documented misconduct is in a database for them to see and say, well, you know what? I don't mind them being racist, but they got caught, which means they're stupid, and I don't want to hire them. So that actually is a really good uh, cleavage between management and rank and file that we need to understand as activists, academics, advocates, et cetera, because that will allow us to have the type of transformation within law enforcement that we have not yet seen. Strange bedfellows.
4: Yeah, no, I I think you do see that with the the sort of freedom, uh, you know, this is why you do see criminal justice sometimes bringing people together in interesting ways because it's not a system that's working for anyone, you know, right. I mean, that's not true. When I say not for well, anyone, for I mean, for a very prisons. specific, for a very right. specific set of our industrial, uh, you right. know, slash uh, justice class. Yeah. Yes.
1: But, isn't that why, this is why I'm so confused about the Democrat stance. I understand that they're trying to neutralize. Okay. I get it. It's a theory. I think it's a strategy. It could work. It could not work, but I think there are many strategies that could work instead of actually taking this head on, And and, you know, credit to a lot of uh, Democrats who I don't always agree with and we probably don't always agree with, whether it's Maxine Waters or other members of the Congressional Black Mm -hmm. Caucus, they are just not having it. They're not having it. They're not playing this game and they shouldn't play this game because we shouldn't be sitting there saying, "Okay, no, you're the ones who are uh, for defund the police. How about this? How about be very, you know, the, the, let's define it for most Americans because most Americans, if they have, okay, fine. Get rid of Defund the Police. We'll talk about it from a different perspective. We'll talk about how the NYPD has the seventh largest military in the world. And yet crime has been going down and you want to continue to, why don't you just fact check it? God forbid, they just make every single lawmaker on MSNBC, on NBC, on Meet the Press, on Fox News that they put out there, they just say, crime is down. We put more money into police. What do you want? You're listening to the propaganda? You guys, you guys believe the fake media saying this stuff? And we're bringing in police from Long Island to police New York City? Come on now. Like, and and people have PTSD. How about we fund the VA? Support your military instead of them having to come in and become you know police officers with weapons-grade machine that you're paying for. I mean, why does why, why do these like West Virginia police departments need to have major tanks going down the streets? I mean, look,
4: I, in they, some they ways, oh,
3: sorry, go ahead, Rep. Rep. No, I was just going to say that I, you know I represent a very affluent neighborhood, predominantly white. Um, I, I like to mention it's it's the birthplace of wasps. Uh that's what inspired the term nice. white Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Protestant was this <laughs> neighborhood should, you know, I represent. Very proud. <laughs> very proud. Absolutely. You I represent the most people in America. like
1: birthplace of wasps?
3: <laughs> that's brilliant. Okay, note to self, get signed, whitest place in America, but in a 70% Black district. But in my super rich neighborhood, there's virtually no violent crime that's reported anyway. I'm sure there's a lot of domestic abuse, but why is that? Is it because there's a cop on every block? No. They would lose their minds if they felt occupied by Philly police. A lot of them don't even want to acknowledge that their neighborhood is in in Philadelphia. They want to be separate. But the reason they don't have violent crime is because they have all the other resources that most Americans don't even know exists. If they have all of those other supports, you don't need that type of presence. So it's not more cops. It's not increasing the budget. It's not giving them more weapons. It's not giving them more criminal offenses to use to 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 you know lock people, to detain them, to arrest them, to to uh. St- and that's what I'm just coming from from a press conference that talked just about that. That's can I just talk about it real quick? Yeah,
1: let's get a run. So I was going to the next topic we're going to yeah. go to, but a run real quick. Do you have do you have thoughts sure. on this? last part.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, you're laying out the case very clearly again, you know, oh, all these things. And we know this is not safe. And we know uh, you have people, it's old and tired wins the race. What are you going to believe? My 40 years of experience in politics or your lying eyes, you know, like, There are people who've been doing this for so long, they are literally incapable. It's been 40, 50 years incapable of changing their mind about how you run a campaign. No one ever lost a vote locking somebody up. Nobody ever lost a vote putting a cop on the street. These are things that may not be true, but are institutional mantras that people, and again, you know, bless his heart, that people like Joe Biden wake up and say themselves in the morning, every morning, the kids shouldn't smoke dope. And when he cops on the street, it's because it's what he knows knows. And so I think expecting this ancient political class who dominate the Democratic Party, we know the average age of the leadership is in the 80s, uh, to sort of unlearn 50 years of elections being a certain way or elections being a certain way in their head is not going to happen by 2022. I'm sorry to say, this is not going to be a message that's fixed.
1: On the bright side, at least, at least, I mean, yes, there is a more sophisticated, uh, Right-wing populists are are definitely more strategic, but there are fewer of them that are younger and under the age of like 75 and they're very good. But like, are they enough to like bring an entire generation back? So I'm hoping that the earth, before we all take fire, um, (laughs) just burn each other's ashes. We, uh, I'm hoping that it's like recentering itself because this can only last so long. Dianne Feinstein, another, really another term. Okay. Uh, Rep. Rab, you just came from a press conference. Speaking of, of you know, criminal justice, you um, and the ACLU in Pennsylvania have hosted a press conference uh, to talk about a three-month pilot program. Can you tell us what this is?
3: Sure. Well, this is, this. Is, all credit goes to the ACLU of Pennsylvania. There was a, um, a court case 10 years ago. Fast forward, um, they now have a pilot project that will last three months in my neck of the woods in, in uh, Northwest Philadelphia in the 14th police district, where instead of uh, cops stopping and frisking around various uh, minor criminal offenses, spitting, littering, loitering, um, prostitution actually um, uh, and disorderly conduct, they will, instead of you know getting, uh, detaining them, um, asking for their ID and potentially arresting them, they will just tell them to stop and if they stop then they go away so I mean that's what you know the cops do with white folks so we're back, you know, I mean so it's I mean that's that is the appropriate thing to do assuming um, those criminal offenses um, should be a criminal offenses to begin with so uh, so I listen uh, drinking from an open container in public, That's a law spitting. It's a law, littering law, sex work law, right? We can, we can quibble about what is what, but littering is pretty straightforward. Spitting is pretty straightforward. Regardless of where you stand on it. But there's one I want to read to you um, that is deeply problematic. And you tell me what you think. Um, This is an offense for a person um, who with intent to cause public inconvenience, annoyance or alarm or recklessly creating a risk thereof, engages in fighting or threatening or in violent or tumultuous behavior, makes unreasonable noise, you heard me correctly, unreasonable noise versus reasonable noise, of course, uses obscene language, and that's a fucking shame, Uh, or make or creates, or an obscene gesture or creates a hazardous or physically offensive condition by any act which serves no legitimate person of the actor so what is a legitimate purpose who determines that the cop it's legitimate if you're in chestnut hill you know in an affluent that's that's legitimate if you're over here in germantown all right that's not legitimate. What? What is a what is a obscene gesture? Who defines obscenity? Uh, this is the ordinate. This is not the ordinance. This is the state law that uh, defines disorderly conduct, folks. So we use disorderly conduct all the time, but when you actually read it out loud, you realize how absurdly vague it is. And the reason it's absurdly vague is to help the carceral state to help. Uh, prosecutors lock up more people or have more ammunition to do so, to expand their toolkit, to leverage it, to uh, disproportionately um, hurt um, BIPOC and and poor folk in the criminal justice system. So I actually have a bill that will repeal disorderly conduct, get rid of the entire thing. What's happening here is cops will not be able to arrest folks uh, as long as they say Stop doing whatever it is you're doing, and that person stops. But it's so have intimidation to look at the other, though. Other issue. Yes, absolutely. Yes.
1: I mean, the fact that they even have to say stop doing, don't stop doing. I mean, there's also inherent bias. There's so many other issues. Obviously, we know the, the 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 white supremacist organizing that's happening in these police departments. So it's not like you know, some some robot is suddenly deprogrammed and, and is just saying stop doing what you're doing. I mean, how are they going to Uh, Look at the police forces around the country. You know what's illegal and what's not illegal. And yet they still get away with violence, murder regularly. So, okay, you tell them to not arrest. That's fine. Does that mean they're going to get more violent? Does that mean when you say stop, Mm
3: -hmm. there's more altercation? Like what is... Right. What's the alternative? Right. Well, Well, in the past 50 years, my state has actually... Put on the books fifteen hundred new criminal offenses, fifteen hundred over the past fifty years. So we're feeding a beast that should not even exist. So this is this is the commercialization, the industrialization um, of a carceral system that was meant to you know to marginalize, subdue, to punish um, in a very racialized way. And removing those things could have a huge impact, could not only help, you know, uh, uh, with these battered communities, but also um, help in terms of uh, uh, more being more employable, um, using the, you know, marshaling those resources to things that we actually need, which is what the folks around defund have basically said. I mean, the, the terminology has been skewered. But ultimately, they're saying, let's put the money where we know it's going to work, where it's not about caging people, harassing people, arresting people, let, and, and buying shiny new, you know, um, uh, dangerous objects for law enforcement. Yeah, our personnel to use. Cameras. Exactly. Right. But, you know, not just demilitarize the police, but narrow the scope of what policing is. And ultimately, you know, we should be using different verbs here. It's not about policing, it's about how do we intentionally build community well-being, and the fact that we don't use that terminology, community well-being, is because public safety, up until now, has been really um, heightening the protection, uh, rhetorically and, and physically, of white women and girls. The the statue of the uh, uh, in front of the police headquarters in Philadelphia is of a 50s era white cop guy holding a little white girl. It is the ultimate, it is the literal embodiment of what public safety looks like. It is the basis of uh, excuses around lynching for 200 years. You looked at a white girl, you whistled at a white woman. Public safety is, is it safe for white women and girls to feel comfortable, to feel safe in the midst of all these bad people? We have to expand public safety to be community safety, which means that whatever community that is ascribed to you, no matter if it's queer, immigrant, black, what have you, that you feel as safe in the body you inhabit and the neighborhood in which you you live as anyone else. And we've never known what that even remotely looks like because what we're talking about now has been the norm since the very creation of our society. So we we can't use terms just like a run. You were talking about folks who've been pr- processed to think a certain way for 50 years, more cops on the street, you know, this or that the same is true with some of the language we use and we got to stop uh, using it. Um, and some of these things are pretty innocuous, but the impacts are not.
1: Final thoughts to run.
4: No, I mean, this is a, a rhetoric. This is a rhetorical battle. Uh, that people almost need to not wage it's just like you know uh, we have made clear as a movement where we think like the guardrails on on are on needing to push the police uh, the police argument and that is resourcing differently at the very least and trying to uh, resource less on things that are bad and if Democrats, think that they're going to unify to put out the opposite message. I mean, that's just the definition of mixed messages and that dog ain't going to hunt. That's my final thought.
1: Yep. Yep. Well said, Uh, you know, take tax the rich. I mean, I have the same thoughts about tax rich for whatever I think everybody, there's this aspirational aspect of so many Americans where they think they can be rich or will be rich or are rich when they're not. And you know, how about this tax Elon Musk to pay for the police force that he relies on, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of different, just tell us what I'm saying. Yeah, you got to tie it together, just tie it together. I mean, cause they do rely on them. I mean, look at Amazon. I mean, or, 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 or cancel the Amazon DOD contracts. I mean, this is stuff that's unpopular on both sides. They don't like it. They don't like that Amazon and these billionaires are making all this money off of the pandemic taxing the rich. It's, this was, this was the problem in the beginning with Donald Trump is like, people thought they saw themselves in Donald Trump. They saw the idea of what they were becoming. And we all know people like this. You know, they're there. They're aspirational millionaires and billionaires. They read self-help books. That's why it's an exploding industry. All right, guys, I appreciate you. As always, Ron Chowdhury, Rep Rab, keep up the amazing work. Defending Our Democracy is doing uh, really good work on the ground. That's one thing I'll say about our show is I feel like we have a good uh, crew of folks who are actually doing the work on the ground as well as on air. <laughs> so thank you to you all. And thank you to our producer, Barad, who has been dealing with all the tech issues that we face on a normal basis in 2021. Um, and thank you to all of our viewers. Thank you to everybody in the chats, the live chats, the super chats, everyone. We are gonna be shifting some stuff, just adding a few more features in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Uh, if you are not already, and I should have done this plug earlier, please join us on Patreon because our patrons make this show work, especially when we have Wi-Fi issues. Uh, it is you know, there's so many things that you don't even know go into the show when you're not in a studio, studios are expensive also. So maybe we'll be able to get back to a studio at some point, but in the meantime, there's lots of sound mixing that needs to happen and all this stuff takes work. And we appreciate you uh, who are patrons for making sure that this show comes out every week Uh, Of course, we have a new schedule. We are doing two hours, Wednesdays and Fridays, Fem Fridays on Friday. We also have the committee program on Monday for two hours. Uh, So you're getting pretty much a ton of programming, six hours of programming. Instead of having a daily, you're getting it in larger chunks because we wanted to have deeper conversations about defund the police and the strategies behind, you know, how you challenge the right wing. Um, we wanted to have deeper conversations about what's happening abroad, how fascism is spreading and the different flavors. That is why our show is special in my opinion. Uh, so join us at patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. If you can contribute, please do. Uh, if you're having any issues, you want to take a break, if you please email us at show at gmail.com. We have lots of different ways to work with folks. On that note, we will see you on Friday for Femme Friday. We appreciate you and stay in solidarity.
0: Momentarily for class solidarity, cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs, stay fed, deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread, racism, homophobia, sexism, religion. And it's melted by. We live in time to build a new system, unionize labor rights, highlight the issue. Talking heads left his best. The saga continues, continues. The no meekie show.